Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Faces of TBI podcast series. I'm Amy Zellmer, founder of FacesofTBI.com and your host. Today, I'm going to be chatting with stroke survivor Chuck Rocky. This episode is brought to you by Midwest Functional Neurology Center, a Minneapolis-based clinic staffed by a caring and progressive team of functional neurologists who are experienced in treating post-concussion syndrome, chronic pain, dizziness, whiplash, and migraines. They are the concussion doctors you can trust for comprehensive brain health in the Midwest. They have greatly helped me and many others. You can find them online at mnfunctionalneurology.com. Hello, I'm Amy Zellmer, and you're listening to Faces of TBI, a podcast series for survivors by survivors, raising awareness about traumatic brain injury, one podcast at a time. Those of you who might not know who I am, I am a TBI survivor from a fall on the ice in February of 2014, and I am a frequent contributor to the Huffington Post, Drive Global, and the Human Project, and I also volunteer on the Brain Injury Association of America. Advisory Council, and I recently released my second book, Embracing the Journey, Moving Forward After Brain Injury, which recently received a silver medal in the Midwest Book Awards. You can learn more about me and the podcast at facesoftbi.com, and you can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Amy Zellmer, and also don't forget to join my Facebook group, Amy's TBI Tribe to connect with other survivors, caregivers, and loved ones. Today, my guest is Chuck Rocky, and Chuck is a Princeton-educated engineer turned life coach with a passion for helping clients achieve their inner happiness and joy through enriching their personal relationships. These steps forward can be a key factor, not only achieving peace of mind, but in overcoming health issues, ranging from depression to anxiety. Chuck also facilitates groups where people build community as well as their capacity for vulnerability and empathy while having a lot of fun. When not helping people build powerfully nourishing relationships, Chuck can be found in the yoga studio where he assists his students in one-on-one sessions to expand their physical development through various poses and encourages them to hone their inner teacher so that they can carry their practice into the world. Chuck also weaves in an in-depth knowledge of Buddhist psychology Zen, and meditation practices to his yoga teachings. Chuck was a tech leader and entrepreneur in Silicon Valley for 25 years when a stroke left him temporarily unable to speak, see, clearly, or perform daily functions. This life-altering experience profoundly changed his outlook, giving him a renewed sense of purpose and the knowledge that out of adversity comes strength and the opportunity to help others. Many experiences and evolutions later, Chuck is dedicated to empowering people to live their best lives. So welcome to the podcast, Chuck. I'm very happy to have you here today. Yeah, thank you. Hi, Amy. Well, I am really excited to just jump in and get to know everything that you are up to. Um, You're into all kinds of really cool things that I also enjoy. So this will be a fun uh, conversation today. But first, Chuck, I'd love to start with having you just share with our listeners how your brain injury happened. Yeah, so it was in um, 
December of 2015, and I had some symptoms, um, kind of like a, a tingling on my left side. And then one day, uh, like after a week after that started, I started to get symptoms which I thought were vertigo, so uh, intense spinning and dizziness. Um, and I called the ambulance. And uh, when I woke up in the hospital, maybe a day or two later, they had told me that I had stroke. So that was a big surprise to me. Mm-hmm. And at the um, time of your stroke, you were a, an engineer? Is that what you were doing? Right. Well, I was managing engineers at a software company. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so... Um, I was there in the hospital, and I really, like, I wasn't expecting a stroke. I was 48. Uh, I yeah. didn't really know what it was. Um, so, and my brain was pretty foggy. So the whole experience was pretty surreal. And um, happily, my sisters flew in and my mother. So I had a lot of good support right in the beginning. Yeah, wow. You know, so you said you were 48 at the time. And I know on one of my recent podcasts, I had a young gal, she was 21 at the time of her stroke. And I have met young children as young as eight and nine who have, who have had strokes. So I think the topic of strokes is so incredibly important because it really can happen at any age. It can happen to anyone. You know, we think of strokes being, you know, an older person's um, disease, uh, you know, and 48 certainly not old. I mean, neither is 21. Um, and it's just, it's so important to understand what a stroke is and, and the warning signs to look for. Um, you know, like you said, you had this intense vertigo and some tingling, but you didn't think much of it, you know? And, um, did it finally get so severe? I mean, you called the ambulance, so clearly it got severe enough that you're like, okay, something's going on. Um, but even at that point, did you even suspect you were having a stroke? No, because um, the tingling was really um, similar to a migraine that I had uh, mm-hmm. when I was in college. So kind of like a progressive thing and uh really similar symptoms. So I was like, Oh, I can just ride that out. And then, um, cause that's the only thing that I could back in the day, I got, um, diagnosed with multiple sclerosis because of it. And I went through this whole long thing. And in the end, you know, my symptoms all of a sudden went away for a couple of days and the doctor says, well, it's not multiple sclerosis. It's probably a migraine. So stay away from red wine and chocolate. You know, <laughs> so this was, yeah, this was kind of like that. So I was like, oh, just like sit down, rest. Um, it'll probably go away. And then when the, I'd had also vertigo in the past before, and that was horrible. You know, so mm-hmm. there was a lot of like, I had to go to the emergency room and there was a lot of vomiting and uh, it, was, it was terrible. So when that happened, I was like, you know, I can't ride this out on my own. And, like, when I first got the vertigo, I called, like, 10 different people before I found someone who could come and bring me to the hospital. This time, I was like, no way. I know how this ends. 
so I'll just call 911. And that was really lucky because they told me to open the door and unlock the front door and stuff like that because by the time they showed up at my house, I was unconscious. Wow. So, right. Anybody else that probably would have died because they wouldn't have been able to get in the house or, I mean, it was just really seconds after I called 911 that I started to lose consciousness. So it was pretty close. Yeah. So fortunately, I guess, um, you had experienced horrible vertigo before and that, is essentially what really kind of probably saved you. You're like, Oh no, I need to get to the hospital. This is bad. Um, where had you not had that before? Who knows? Right. Like you might've just been like, wow, I better go take a nap or something. And who knows what the outcome could have been. So that's right. Because like most people don't want to call 911 or the right. house, you know, they, yeah. And, and that's yeah. something I'm going to put out there. Don't ever hesitate to call 911. Like, I mean, I know some people hesitate because they don't have very good insurance and they're worried about the money. Um, but, man, you know, if they show up and you don't need them, they leave, right? So right. It, it, it's always better to call, to err on the side of calling 911. Um, right. And also, so, like, now I go to the doctor when I'm having some weird symptom that I don't know what it is instead of just, like, keeping it to myself. Yeah. Yeah, yeah another valid, valid point. Um, so, Chuck, you mentioned that you had been diagnosed with having MS, and then they decided, oh, no, you don't have MS. Um, this is something I have heard from numerous people with brain injuries. Um, not not necessarily just stroke patients, but other people who have had a brain injury, um, and then they're later told, oh, it's MS. But then, like, the testing comes back, you know, inconclusive or negative. Um, so, you know, I find that so interesting uh, that that is the direction doctors seem to go. Um, and that had to have been an interesting journey in itself for you, getting that type of a diagnosis and not really understanding it right so yeah then I was at the time I was maybe 19 so all of a sudden you were young you know I don't know what's going on with my body and I had to drop out of school and all of a sudden you know my life was changing really fast and I think my my father at the time he was like he kind of understood what that might mean and he talked to me like you're in a life will never be the same again, blah, blah, blah. But at the time, you know, you're just sick, you know, mm-hmm. and it's, not, it's not clear what the impacts are going to be or what, you know, you know, what kind of changes your life will have because of that. Yeah. I think it's really hard to have perspective. And that was similar with the stroke. I thought, you know, I'll be back to work in a couple months. And the doctor's like, well, maybe, maybe you should put down three months on the insurance form, you know? Um, And I didn't realize what, you know, what the changes were going to be like. And I did recover from the stroke pretty well. And so the one thing that's like really lingering or, 
the really long-term uh, effects are on my vision. So I can't really go back to the, um, the tech world because I can't see the computer screen well enough. And that's something they didn't really understand very well in the beginning. And there wasn't a good therapy for, so, I mean, that part took me by surprise. Yeah. So, Chuck, you now do a lot of yoga work. Was that something that you were into before your injury, or did it develop afterwards? No, that was something from before. So, mm-hmm. I, I've been practicing yoga for maybe 20 years, and... Um, Interestingly enough, I've had different injuries in the past where I've had to stop practicing. And um, I really start, each time I kind of start my yoga journey again, um, but with like a new, um, a new perspective and uh, a new mindfulness about like what, you know, what it means to practice yoga and what it means and what it means to my body to like remember what those poses are like and to build the strength and more patience really with myself, which is great. Yeah. 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 You know, when I had my accident, I had been, Oh, I I probably have been practicing 20 or so years. I've been practicing since college off and on. Um, And when I had my injury, you know, I not only had a brain injury, I also had a lot of physical, you know, I had whiplash and a dislocated sternum. So I had a lot of physical limitations as well. And in the beginning, I'm like, okay, I know I need to get back to yoga. I know yoga is what's going to help me, but I just mm-hmm. couldn't quite figure out how with my injuries. And it took me about a year and I finally sat down with my instructor one-on-one and we found, you know, like five poses that I can do and I just did those five poses every single day and gradually my range of motion improves my balance improves you know I really believe yoga can heal and you know I know a lot of people have like this aversion to yoga they think you have to be super flexible and be able to hold these huge poses. And, you know, let me just tell you, I do very simple poses. I will hold on to a chair or I'll sit in a chair. Um, That's Mm -hmm. the cool part of yoga is that it can be adapted to really suit anybody. Right. And one of the things that I really work with students on is, um, you know, when you're in a bigger class, you're like, oh, the teacher is calling out the different poses and the, and the way you get from one to the other. And you think that you're really supposed to match your practice to what they're saying. And really, it's the other way around because it's, everybody's body is different. Um, they're even unique that day. And yes you as the practitioner are the only one who gets all the feedback from your body. Like, like when I move like this, does it hurt or does it feel good? Or does it, you know, does it, do my muscles tense up? So those are all like really subtle pieces of feedback. And you're really the one driving the bus because you're the one who like can put on the turn signal also like feels the bumps in the road. Um, so I really help 
uh, or encourage people to make the practice really their own. You know, yes, the teacher is like guiding the class, but really it's you're guiding yourself. Um, and that's when I think people really start to uh, be nourished by the practice instead of like, oh, you know, I go into this class and maybe I can do some of the poses. Even that I can do the pose is uh, kind of like a conception that I want to like turn on its head. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, listening to your body, you know, a great point said, you know, your practice might be different every day. You know, like your body might not be feeling a side twist or forward fold or you know you just right. to listen to your body and you know that's why I have my list of go-to poses that I try to do every day but man if my body says eh, I don't think so <laughs> I'll fit mm-hmm. or it might be something bigger I might get brave or do moon or see, you know, a really big balance pose um, you know and sometimes I'm successful sometimes I fall down and <laughs> That's okay. Um, you know, it's, it's, I think the cool part of yoga is how everybody can do it. And, you know, right. your pose might look totally different than mine. And that's okay. You know, it's healing. It's helping your body. And I know one of the big parts of yoga for me is connecting that breath with my body and really getting that oxygen flowing again. After a brain injury, I mean, hello, it's so important to get blood flow and oxygen up to your brain. Um, so I just felt yoga was so important in helping that process, if that makes sense. Right, sure. Yeah, for me, in my recovery, I kind of had to learn to do everything over again with my body. Just like how to tie my shoelaces how to step into the bathtub, how to, like, walk down a hall, you know, even how to stand up, these things. So yoga was really helped me because, like, I practiced all this body awareness. And, um, you know, what is my arm doing now? You know, because in the beginning I would run into walls and all these things. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, it really helped me just like, okay, like test it out in all these different ways that I might not, I might normally avoid in my day-to-day life because it was, it was hard or, uh, you know, it did, like I ended up running into something the day before tripping or something. So it really gave me like a safe space in which to exercise all the parts, which I really loved. Mm-hmm. Chuck, you are also doing a lot of coaching. Um, and, you know, I know when I had my accident, I was working with a life coach. I've been working with her at the time for probably eight years. And I know at the time of my accident, I remember talking to her being like, man, what is the universe telling me? I mean, the universe literally hit me over the head here. But what's my lesson? And, you know, I was so broken right? Like my brain was so broken. Um, I couldn't, I knew what I needed to do to help myself, but I couldn't do it. Like I literally couldn't do affirmations. 
I, I just couldn't get myself um, into a positive space. Even though I knew that's what I needed to do. It was a crazy, it was almost like a body. Like, who is this person? Um, and eventually I got there. It took about a year. Um, that's when I started doing yoga. I started, you know, doing more affirmations. And that's had a profound breakthrough in my recovery, right? Was when I finally gave myself permission to heal. Um, so I'm really curious how you walk your your clients, patients, whatever you call them, um, when you walk them through your coaching, you know, what, what stage are they usually in when they find you? And, um, you know, how, how do you work with them in that space? Right. So I do work with a lot of, uh, stroke patients and, um, they usually find me at, at different stages, like, um, I think it's especially valuable in the stage where they're like, they're moving out of the hospital or moving like their care with their uh, therapist is kind of like ending or decreasing. So they're, they all of a sudden find themselves <clears throat> because I often get referred to people um, by their occupational therapist or something like that. Okay. I've been working with this person. Our time's about to end. I know they need more support, so I'm I'm one way that that can pick up. Um, so I know for me it was really it was really tough. Like uh, I had great support and great teams of therapists, but all of a sudden one day that ended, and so I'm on my own. Um, and actually, like what happened to me was I had some therapists were coming to my house and all of a sudden I went to outpatient therapy. And before I always had somebody coordinating the different therapists and I, they were kind of making a plan for me. And all of a sudden I was, uh, I was in outpatient therapy, which is more like I'm fending for myself because they say, Oh, well, we can't see you for a month. Um, Uh So it was really all of a sudden I was on my own and that, um, that's often what I'm working with with patient with clients, and so they're like, okay, now I got to figure it out on my own, and my memory's not great, and I have all these responsibilities, and life is kind of stressing me out, uh, or you know, I don't have a lot of like hope for the future, or my life is feeling really flat, um, so I'm in a bad spot. And so I really help them, you know, figure out um, what their goals are and keep a, a positive attitude toward recovery. And what I find is really important for that is, is I know in myself and lots of my clients, it's like the gold standard is getting back to where we were before, Right. Before my stroke, I could do this, I could do that. You know, I really liked going dancing on Friday night, uh, you know, had this kind of job, and all that. Some of that can stay the same, which is great, but often a lot of that is going to change. And so instead of, like, really clinging hard onto the things which gave us uh, joy and pleasure and satisfaction, 
I help people like look at the new us and what our new capabilities and limitations are, and also like the perspectives that we've gained. And um, given those new places and spots, what can we develop in our lives that that are really going to fulfill us? Like instead of like uh, concentrating on what we can't do, okay, with the, in this new situation, what can I do for work? Or um, which are the friends who really stuck by me and I'm really enjoying their company? Uh, or, you know, something like that, which is like being creative about your life and finding out where are the small places where you can have wins or things will really feed you and kind of expanding those parts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and I think coaching is, you know, it's important. It's um, people are very dismissive of coaching because, you know, kind of everybody thinks they're a coach and, and that's okay. You know, there's, there's space for all sorts of different types of coaches. And you know, I, I just think coaching is so incredibly helpful. Like I said, I had been working with a life coach for eight years at the time of my accident. And mm-hmm. um, I have finally gotten back into it with her into a, a routine again. Um, but, you know, you have to be ready for it. You have to be in a space where it's something that you want and that you choose to put your attention to. And, you know, after brain injury, we don't always have the, um, the capacity, right? Whether it's physical, emotional, right. um, and, you know, I know I went back to coaching way too soon, and it frustrated me, and I would miss appointments, which frustrated the crap mm-hmm. out of me because I'm not the type of person to, not, to just, you know, not show up for an appointment, right? Um, right. And, it, it, you know, it, it wasn't the right time. And that's okay, you know, and, and I've worked with coaching clients yeah. who the same thing, they flake, they forget their appointments, they're on the phone, and they're just really tired. And I'm like, you know what, let's just put this on hold for a while, you're not quite ready. And that's okay. Yeah. You know, and yeah. I'm sure you've had experiences yeah. like that as well. Yeah. And you know, one of the things I end up working with people on is like, okay, now the memory is not as great. And so it actually frustrates people that they miss appointments and it's more difficult to manage their lives. And that's one of the things that we work on first. Mm-hmm. It's just getting that together and like, how can I juggle these things? I have all these responsibilities that I used to have and now I have less capacity. How do I fulfill those? How do I get to places on time? You know, and like actually where in my life is the wiggle room and what do I need to drop out of my life in order to like really do the things that are important to me. And so that's that's kind of one level of coaching. And, you know, I I really agree if, you know, people aren't ready for, um, aren't ready to put the the work into the other things things that they want or changing their lives that they're more in a survival mode than yeah, spending yeah. the money on coaching or spending the time 
may not be appropriate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, Chuck, we are just about out of time. Um, it goes so fast when we're having fun. Um, what are some final thoughts that you would like to leave our listeners with? Any words of advice or inspiration that you would like to impart on our listeners? Yeah, I, I guess two things. One is really to uh, be thankful for, yeah. you know, the fact that we're we're still alive and uh, and doing stuff, and especially be thankful for those people who are um, are really lending their support to us, and really um, thinking about our relationships with them, and how we can show our gratitude and how, how we can build and strengthen those relationships because they really support us. Um, and also that thing I was talking about, like, you know, this is, there's the, there's a new you and mm-hmm. what is that going to look like in the world and building? Yeah. That? Yeah. Oh, well, those are great final ending words, Chuck. Thank you so much for being here. This has been uh, just a really wonderful conversation, and I appreciate you taking the time to share your knowledge with our listeners today. Yeah, thank you, Amy. I really enjoyed it. And thank you, everyone, for listening. I really hope that you enjoyed today's podcast and you got some really great golden nuggets from Chuck today. And just a reminder, you can find all of our previous episodes at facesoftbi.com. And don't forget to join Amy's TBI Tribe on Facebook. And you can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Amy Zellmer. And another big thank you to Midwest Functional Neurology Center. You can find them online at mnfunctionalneurology.com. Thank you all for listening and really thank you for being a part of my journey. Have a great day, everyone, and I'll see you all again next time.